So welcome everyone to our mini podcast. This is Brian Johansson. I'm the COO of the Adler Group, and I'm here in the studio today with my business partner and friend, Lou Adler. Hey, hi, everyone. This is Lou Adler. So Lou is the CEO of the Adler Group and world-renowned author and creator of performance-based hiring. Today, we're going to talk about conducting great phone screens. So thanks for listening. I think you'll be happy you're here today. Now, Lou, I'm sure our listeners want to know, why talk about the phone screen? Most companies do it. It's about 30 minutes long. They talk to the candidate. They see if they like the candidate. If they like the candidate, they invite them in for an interview. So why is the phone screen so important? And what could possibly go wrong with a phone screen? Well, I think the reason it goes wrong is people are looking for the wrong things during a phone screen. Okay. If you're just trying to weed out weak candidates, then you're going to box check skills. But in my mind, the purpose of a phone screen is to attract a great person into the hiring process. And if you use a weed out process of, hey, do you have 10 years experience and when you take this salary, the best people are going to tune out or they won't even engage in the conversation with you. So to me, the phone screen has to be looked at as part of a strategic objective of hiring the best person possible. Those will generally be referred candidates. Those will generally be passive candidates. Of course, some of them will be people who apply to your postings, but the best people there will have multiple offers. So irrespective of that, you have to demonstrate that your company is professional and the job represents a career move. So that's why the phone screen needs to be very structured. And if you need to see too many candidates to get a few candidates to recommend to the hiring manager, you know something's wrong with sourcing. Hiring manager doesn't want to see your candidates. You have a problem with uh, the recruiter and hiring manager not being on the same page. And if a great candidate after he or she talks to the hiring manager, refuse to go forward, you got a problem with a job or the hiring manager. So to me, it's just an x-ray into your entire hiring process and a very important part of it. And that's why it needs to be semi-structured. So you're contending that the focus and the structure of a phone screen can have a huge impact on the outcome of a hiring process. Interestingly, I had a company call me a few months back And they said that 85% of the candidates that their recruiting team screened were not making it through the face-to-face interview with hiring managers. Hiring managers were rejecting them. So I said, let me listen in on your phone screen, which I did. It only took one phone screen to figure out the problem. I listened to a recruiter call up a candidate. And for 22 and a half minutes, they sold their company and the job. They told them all about the company, all about the job. They were new to the area. They felt they had to do that. Then they asked three simple questions, including, when can I set up an interview? And they set up the interview for the hiring manager. It's no wonder that they didn't get great candidates out of that process. They didn't know anything about the candidates by the end of that 30-minute phone screen. And managers were not happy with the process. So, Lou, let me ask you this question. What are the most important components of a great phone screen? In my mind, the phone screen really has three components to it. Component one is you got to conduct a work history review. Just go through job by job by job, find out what the person's title was, what the person's role was, what the person's major accomplishments were, and look at the organizational team that the person either manages or has been part of different projects. If the person fits on that and it's got a growing trend of importance, okay, hey, maybe we should continue this phone screen. But if you don't get the work history right for the fit right, you're not even in the game. The second part is I go into digging into one of the candidate's major accomplishments to see if it's comparable to what the job is. If that's a good fit, I start thinking about cultural fit, which has to do with the pace of the organization, types of managers a person's worked on. Uh, And if that's a good fit, then I say, okay, let's see if this job's a career move. Not a money move, a career move. And that means a person's clearly got to 
be put on a faster career trajectory. But that can all be done in what appears to be a very casual conversation, but it's actually a very sophisticated conversation. Number one, is a person fit? Would the person accept an offer if so? And would the person fit with our culture and work with the hiring manager? And to me, you get those things right. Then the hiring manager would say, of course, I want to talk to the person. So to me, it's it shouldn't be a battle if you understand it. And that's why I say the phone screen recognizes the first time the hiring manager, the candidate, and the recruiter all get together and make a decision. Should we go forward? And if they all go forward to an on-site interview, hey, you're in good shape. If anybody says no, it's an indication of a problem. If two people say no, it's a big problem. If three people say no, you got to start over again. Makes sense. If somebody's listening to this and they just want one tip, one thing that will make them really much better when they're screening candidates, what would you suggest that would be? It probably takes place in the intake meeting with the hiring manager. Mm-hmm. And I, I probably said this in the day I've been a recruiter, which has been over 40 years ago, is I don't define a job by a list of skills, competencies, and experiences. I go into the hiring manager and say, what does this person need to do to be successful? And it's always three or four performance objectives, build a team, grow sales, set up an international reporting system. It's stuff that people do. So when I do the phone screen, I'm trying to see if the candidate has done things like that. And if so, are they good at it? And if so, doing more of it or doing it faster, or doing it at a bigger a bigger team and a bigger scale makes career sense. So if you don't start with understanding that job, you don't even have a chance to be right. Then you got to the fit factors. Does a person fit our culture? Can the person work with our manager? And a lot of that has to do with pace of the organization. But if you don't know the job, you're just box checking skills and it's problematic if you hire a great person. You'll get a bunch of no's and you won't even know why you got no's. But I can tell you at the root cause of it is that recruiter doesn't know the job. And frequently the hiring manager doesn't know the job. So they're out of sync and it's very hard to get alignment when you're both looking for different things. So, Lou, what you're saying makes perfect sense, and it's the foundation of performance-based hiring. Know the job. Define the job in terms of what you want somebody to do, and then interview them about that. Well, let me ask you this question. I had a conversation. You may have had the same conversation with the company, and the company was opting out of phone screens entirely. They're moving towards tools, AI-enabled video interviewing, where the candidate is given five questions and asked to record their answers. And then the manager just and the recruiter basically just goes through these short videos that are being done by these candidates. It seems like a great deal for a manager. They don't have to interview anybody. They can screen people on their own time, but they no longer conduct the phone screen. So what's wrong with that kind of approach? As far as I'm concerned, Brian, it's a strategy issue. I make the statement, and I've made it for years and years and years, you can't use a surplus of talent approach when a surplus of talent doesn't exist. So if you're seeing hundreds of great people and all the best people in the world are willing to go through your phone screen and you have the best jobs in the world and everybody wants to work at your company, it might work. To me, it's demeaning uh, because I'm going to contend the best people don't make transactional decisions. The best people are passive or they got multiple offers. They don't need to be demeaned. They don't need to waste their time hoping to get an interview. I talked to a woman just the other day who's got a system which she actually creates video-based job descriptions, which sounds pretty cool. But then the candidate has to go through video phone screens to to get the an on-site interview. And in my mind, you have some great people who will opt out. So the bigger goal, in my opinion, is to hire a great person. The process would work if the best people take the screen, the video uh, interview. As far as I'm concerned, I would rather talk to people and convince them my job represents a career move. I don't deal with a lot of people. So I only deal with eight or 10 people at the top of the funnel. I pick the best six or seven. I talk with them. Some of them become finalists and some of them become 
great notes to get referrals. But to me, if a great person opts out, you've just basically said your goal is efficiency, not improving quality of hire. And it's very rare that you're going to get improved quality of hire if you're talking to candidates who are willing to be video interviewed that way. So that's my opinion. And I can think I can validate it year after year. If you're a great branded company, great jobs. It's a great place to be. And everyone knows that. And you got great glass door reputations. Fine. You're getting all the best. That's a rare situation. So to me, it puts a lid on quality of hire when you put that video interview together. Well, and I think there's a bias issue associated with it as well, which is if you interview somebody over the phone, you don't have a physical bias barrier that you're trying to get over. I think that's a, a negative aspect of the video interviews. When you say that, you mean by looking at the candidate, you're judging the candidate based on their physical appearance and their presentation skills and how prepped they are for this interview. I think that's what you mean by bias, right? That's exactly what I mean. And it's biased toward extroverts and people who look good on camera and people who are a little bit more shy and timid. Staring at a blank screen and answering five questions can be very intimidating. They could be great performers, but do very poorly in a video interview. So I don't think it's a great starting point for it. And I will also say this. I think most of the AI-associated recruiting is, is really designed to solve one problem, which is a volume problem. And with unemployment where it is, and uh, top people not needing another job, we have to go after them. We don't have a volume problem. We have a quality problem. And so that, I think, is the basis of that scarcity uh, argument you were making. No question about it, right? So let me steer you in a different direction. You complete a phone screen. You use a performance-based approach, which we, we recommend. Now you're at the end of the phone screen. How do you measure a candidate uh, and be objective about whether you want that candidate to go forward in the process or not? Well, again, let's assume the person's work history is solid, meaning a nice track record, good career decisions, progression, scope and scale of the work the person's been on is comparable and the type of work is comparable. You then dig into the person's major accomplishment and you might spend 10 minutes on that. And accomplish the biggest thing the person did and led was pretty significant and comparable to what you need done. And you think the cultural fit is there. So, I mean, this is what's happening in 30, 30, 30 minutes. You can figure this out based on pace and flexibility uh, and the types of teams the person's worked on. You can get a good sense, hey, this is a good person. Now the decision to be made is, does this job represent a career move? And in my mind, a career move has to offer some stretch, has to offer a mix of more satisfying work, has to offer a job that has more impact. And... On top of that, it has to have faster growth than what the person's experiencing today. So as you're going through all that, as you have positive feelings about the candidate throughout this, you're collecting your thoughts. Hey, does this job represent a career move? Almost is a semi-finalist by the time they get on site. They've agreed that, hey, this job's a career move. We got a very good feeling the candidate's a performer, a top achiever, a good career opportunity here. So you've closed a lot of things before you ever invest time in meeting the person on site. That's a big investment on the hiring manager's part and candidate's part. I'm very, I use the idea of an on-site interview as a very big thing. And the candidate is very serious about this. It's not a game. But again, remember, I'm going after people who will get multiple opportunities, will probably get counter offers, will probably get a competitive offer. Uh, so I want to demonstrate that we have the best career move and the best in-depth process. And it's discriminating on both sides. Both of us have to do due diligence, the candidate and hiring manager and the recruiter. And this is a great way to demonstrate the level of seriousness you take into the process. I think you can't underestimate how much is actually accomplished in the phone screen. I mean, what you've described, not only you're qualifying a candidate, you're setting up a career move, you're beginning the recruiting process, you're getting the candidate to opt in. There's a lot 
that goes on during that short 30-minute phone screen. So let me ask this. If somebody wants to get better at this, what would you recommend they do? Well, I'd say first off, well, certainly I've written a, written a book called The Essential Guide for Hiring and Getting Hired. It's pocket change. Buy that book. As important is we have a course called the Performance-Based Phone Screen. It's on our platform. Brian, if you want to give the URL for that, or it's probably listed somewhere. The course is basically, I don't want to say it's free because it's not free. It is priceless, though. But it's a 45-minute course, and in 45 minutes, you might have to take it twice. So in an hour and a half, you'll be able to do all those things. So to me, the next step is do it. Try it out. Buy the book. Take the course. Interview a bunch of candidates. And all of a sudden, you do it half a dozen times. You'll start seeing how that pattern works. You can imagine that if everyone did what I just said, efficiency would improve, quality of hire would improve, the relationship between the recruiter and the hiring manager would improve, the relationship between the hiring manager and candidate would improve, and you'd make more placements with fewer send-outs per hire. Perfect. Well, they can find that course at lms.performancebasedhiring.com. So if anybody's listening and wants to visit that site, it'll be one of the first featured courses that you see there. And Lou, any last words? Nope. Just uh, you do that right. You understand what it takes to hire great people every time. And that's really the whole goal of the hiring process. Invest your time in the right people, not weeding out the wrong people. Well, until next time, this is Brian Johansson and Lou Adler signing off.